Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, our guest is Harvey Guillen, who is a star of the FX comedy vampire series, What We Do in Shadows, and has wonderful stories to share with us and cracks me up like very few people can. Listen to me mispronounce his name all day long today on Hijinks. Forever. Dog. everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by actor, writer, producer, and my favorite human in a vampire show. Let's give a warm welcome to Harvey Guillen. Did I... Hi, Harvey. Hi, Jinx. <laughs> Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Guillen, yeah, Guillen. Guillen, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, as I saw, you know, as my eyes were reading ahead, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't practice today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty close. I, I've had it butchered before. It's like, Guillen? 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 Well, first and foremost, congratulations on the success of What We Do in Shadows. It is one of my favorite shows to watch right now. It was such a great movie. And when they turned it into a series, you know, I think there's always some trepidation when a cult movie gets turned into a TV series because you want it to have that same like cult appeal to it, you know. And no offense to anyone in the movie, I'm now at the point where the TV show is my main jam. <laughs> Aww. Well, you know, it's, 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 uh, I feel like it's inevitable with uh, a storyline that you can, you know, have a trajectory with. Like a movie, mm-hmm. you round it off in 90 minutes and you might see those characters again in a sequel or a prequel. But in a series, you get to elaborate on those stories every week. So, you people get invested in the story so that's that makes sense <laughs> it does and for me it's you know there's a badass female main character and that's the only thing that was missing from from the movie yeah so there's me and there's also tosh so yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> um were you a horror movie fan uh um uh, a cult nerd at all before this show i only ask because you also host um the uh, after the shadows, mm-hmm. um, like like a post show chat, um, and it seems like you are pretty into the the lore of the show as well as being one of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love I love our show. I I created that show. It was used to be, it used to be called Before the Shadows. So we talk about um, it was supposed to be one episode uh, for the premiere, and I did it during mm-hmm. the pandemic because we couldn't have a premiere. So I thought, why don't we just do like a live Instagram and everyone can like tune in and we go straight to the, you know, the pilot or the, uh, the first episode of the season. And I did the first episode and 
the fans were like, okay, see you next week. And I was like, oh, I did not plan. No, no, no. And then I found myself doing it every week during the pandemic because, you know, it's like, what are we, what else are we doing? We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to die. You know, it's just like the end of the world. <laughs> and might as well do something fun and productive. And me and my sister, um, we got uh, together and started writing some, every episode we wrote, like, and we had guest stars and, and whatnot. And um, at one point, Mark Hamill wanted to be on the show. <laughs> and we were like, um... <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. we're gonna do that so it just started off as like a thing for the fans and now this year fx has taken it under its wing so now it's called uh, after the shadows so it's a recap show afterwards mm-hmm. and you can watch every week after the episode you can see behind the scenes uh, pictures we talk to you know the costumers we talk to the crew the actors producers all the stuff you always wanted to know um is now at your fingertips so i do like uh, our show i do love our genre but i'm more of a slasher uh, fanatic like I'm into Scream I know what you did last summer and which are both being rebooted right now so uh, I'm all about it I'm like waiting to see I have a friend in the new Scream one uh, Jack Quaid is in that one so I'm, I just saw him this weekend in New York and I was like I'm so excited I'm just so excited to have a friend does he get project. murdered do you get to see your friend get he murdered won't tell on the me. big screen <laughs> he won't tell <laughs> what a secret to sit on I know. <laughs> I'm your friend. Tell me you're gonna die. Slashes slashers are admittedly um not my favorite of the horror genre, but a well done slasher is is amazing. Would you consider Hellraiser a slasher or more of like a supernatural um horror? Uh, I think it's a it's a nice blend. I think it's not <laughs> neither here or there and i feel like it's it's, it does a good job of like you know incorporating two things like so is this are we is this sci-fi or (laughs) oh it's okay got a slasher okay so i think it does a good job and if you're a fan of those genres then that's your movie (laughs) so um what led to you playing guillermo biermo on what we do in shadows and do you have any animosity being uh, I, I know your character is constantly wanting to be turned into a vampire, but you, the human actor, do you have any animosity playing the one human character on a show full of <laughs> vampires? Well, I mean, when I first got the part, you know, I, I didn't even, um, I wasn't even eligible for this part. Originally, I got this part because I went to a wine and cheese night. I, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, once again, my hunger for wine and cheese, uh, paid off <laughs> and I was invited by a friend to go see her at her, at her brother's house. Cause she was, uh, in town for the weekend with her newborn baby. And she said, you guys see the baby? And I was like, okay. And I went over and, uh, I met her, uh, friend, everyone else I knew there, her brother was there, her, her husband and her baby. I had just met uh glad to report the baby's great and we're best friends now so (laughs) (laughs) that worked out for the best and so I met this girl there and the next day she texts me she got my number from Mimi and she goes I hope you don't mind I got your number from Mimi um my name's Yvonne as you met me last night I was like oh yeah how are you it's like you know keep in touch she's like I think you're so fucking funny you should audition for my fiance's new show and I was like miss I don't do those kind of films anymore they're (laughs) legal and she's like, I'm serious. You should, uh, you should go audition for it. I was like, what's the role? And who's the casting director? And Allison Jones was the casting director. And if you know anything about Hollywood, mm-hmm. is that Allison Jones cast everything that's wonderful under the sun. Like she cast The Office, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Golden Girls, uh, Bridesmaids, like anything you ever saw that you were like, this is hilarious. That's yeah. her casting. 
And she only brings you by invitation. Like you're not like just going to show up to a cattle call at Alice Jones' office. So this is my <laughs> loophole. I was like, oh my God, if anything, I'll just get to meet her. I'll get to meet Allison Jones. And um, I call my agents like, I, you got to get my audition for this. Like Harvey, you're too young for that role. That's the reason we didn't submit you because you're, uh, it's 20 years older than you are. And I was like, oh, well, this girl I met at a party told me I should audition. <laughs> and I think I can trust a girl at a party. And he's like, what's her name? Yvonne. Yvonne what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hold please and I had to text her I was like hey girl what's your last name and so I come back so her fiance is a producer and it's like who's her who's her fiance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold please and I got I was like I didn't I didn't gather all my information like I should have at the same time and eventually I got the audition and I was like I'm so excited and it was a complimentary audition you show up to in the casting office and they opened up just for you like on the weekend you know and just like oh my god <laughs> this is so special and then I got there and I was super excited to meet Allison and it was Ben, a uh, casting associate. I was like, oh, she's not here. She's in London auditioning for Guillermo's. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> so that's cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my best Guillermo at this age. And that's what I really just gave into the character. I was like, I didn't watch the movie before. I'd, I'd never seen the movie. It was on cue to watch on my Amazon uh, account the night I went to the wine and cheese night. Like I kid you <laughs> not, it was on cue to watch. And I said no to the movie, went to the wine and cheese night. So everything, you know, is, happens for a reason. So I said, I'm going to do it my own way. So I, I had already gotten dressed up. I never do this, but I got dressed up for Guillermo. I got a long sleeve orange shirt. There's a video of this somewhere out there on the internet, I'm sure. And an <laughs> ugly sweater vest. And I got these Harry Potter glasses and I popped the lenses and I parted my hair in the middle and I curled it to the sides, Baroque style. And I was like, <laughs> if this doesn't grab her attention, I don't know what will. <laughs> No one on television would ever look like this, ever. <laughs> and then I showed up and she wasn't there, but I, Ben was there and he put the microphone on me on my, like, a collar. And I just remember falling to Guillermo so well that after I was done, I didn't know I was done because I looked up and he was like, Harvey. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you're done. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you. And I started walking out the door and he goes, Harvey, wait. And I thought he was going to go, you're going to Hollywood, kid. You're it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he grabs and goes the microphone and, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and i i left not knowing what i did two hours later they called and they said that they had shown it to everyone at fx that scott uh that paul sim stephanie scott taika jermaine um yeah, allison had seen it they had all agreed unanimously to test me with Kayvon. it was the first time they ever voted on a guillermo unanimously to test and weeks went by and i didn't test and I, I, they told me I was a wild card. I was the wild young card. And I was like, I'm always, <laughs> story of my life, I'm always the wild young card. Um, and then I just realized that the time was running and they were going to start production soon. I didn't get a call and I was like, I'm not getting it. And then like uh, the weekend of MLK came up and uh, it was a Sunday and a phone number kept calling me over and over and I was like ignoring it, telemarketer. <laughs> and then I had a 16-digit number or something and I picked it up finally because my sister was like, would you pick up the fucking phone? And I answered it. She was driving and I was like, hello. Hey, is this Javi? And I go, yeah. Hey, it's Taka and Jermaine. You auditioned for us? And I was like, oh, um, yes, I'm going to test for you. No, you're not testing. And I was like, oh, thank you for calling me and letting me know I'm not good enough. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're the mate. And I was like, what? And he goes like, and my sister's next to me, she's like, oh, like driving, screaming. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, what, what did you say? He's like, you're the mate. We'll see you on set. And this was Sunday. I had to call my agents on a weekend, on a holiday weekend. Martin Luther King Day was Monday. And no one was in the office. They finally got like the official letter Monday night. I was at a fitting Tuesday and I was on set Wednesday. Wow. 
Wow. You know, you never can. (laughs) You never can predict how things are going to go in Hollywood. Um, There's that's just well, congratulations. That sounds really amazing. I was going to ask, like, did you know when you left the audition? Because I feel like sometimes when I feel like I really hit a bullseye, my instincts aren't always right. But sometimes when I really hit a bullseye, I leave and I'm like. Okay, I know it might be months before I hear anything, but I'm pretty damn sure I just got that role. Uh, (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's complete delusion. But did you have that sense of like, okay, I think I I think I did it. I think I convinced them to um, cast Guillermo younger. Um, Or did you just kind of shrug it off and go on with your life? (laughs) No, I I, I made it a a point a long time ago because for so long I tried to fit a mold that I was being told to fit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. being Latinx, being queer, being plus size. Uh, you're told a lot of times, like, you're too short, you're too round, you're too brown. And it's just like, it got to the point where I uh, I didn't feel that I was being honest with myself or honest with the character if I wasn't uh, okay with being authentically myself, uh, using my vessel to create that character, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I left that room knowing that my goal is always to win the room. If mm-hmm. I win the room and I book the room, I will always have a friend at that, at that office. So even yeah. if you don't get the part this time, because you didn't have blonde hair, you didn't have blue eyes, you weren't six, two, you were 82 pounds. If you make a good choice and you make good choices with your audition, you will always, always have a fan in that, you know, um, at that office. So I went booked the room is my goal. And I thought I really did book the room. And so when I left, I was like, well, I'm the wild card. So we'll see. And uh, I just had this feeling like I was at this role so perfect, even though it's literally, it's just literally so perfect for me. It's just, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone else doing it. So I, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it because I was like, oh, but you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like a little bit like, you know, anxiety driven. Like I was like, I don't want to like just wait and wait and wait and wait and nothing happens. And then I give up or just give into it and say, whatever happens will happen. And I thought I did that. So (laughs) I don't know what, uh, what other way to look at it. So the lessons we can take from this are always say yes to a wine and cheese night. Fuck you. If you're sober or lactose intolerant, because (laughs) (laughs) you have no business in Hollywood. Um, No, that's just such an amazing story and so different from so many of the the Hollywood stories that we hear. And auditions are just, in general, the most unnatural thing that a person can ever do. (laughs) Like, when you put it down on paper, like, I'm going to go into a room in front of a bunch of strangers, pretend to be someone else, and then they're going to judge me on my... Um, performance as a fake person. (laughs) So I remember in acting school, all our teachers said, have some kind of post-audition ritual and remind yourself that it's, um, it's not a natural process. I didn't see this. Okay. (laughs) Is that your Uber Eats order? I got my Uber Eats order. And I was just like, I'm on the phone with you. And I was like, who's calling me? And I was like, oh, it's Uber Eats. (laughs) My Uber Eats order. I got the picture. It's sitting at the door. As soon as we're done, I've got my, (laughs) it's nestled on my porch. Oh no. Did we lose you? You go get it. (laughs) No, I'm right here. Yeah. (laughs) I literally was like, oh, I, I, so I'm living in Toronto right now. And um, and we work long on stuff and I don't tend to cook unless I have time. And 
I don't have time right now. So it's literally, <laughs> it was like, Uber oh, Eats. you're preaching to the choir. I mean, when, when I'm on tour, I forget what like food tastes like if it's not prepared, prepared at a restaurant. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've mentioned so many, um, so many things I'd love to ask more about in, in your audition story. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, one of the things I love about um, what we do in Shadows is that, you know, the characters are vampires. They've been alive for hundreds of years and they're all essentially pansexual, kinky, sexually fluid people because they've been alive for so long. They've lost any human like hangups on um, gender and sexuality and presentation and stuff. Um, and I think that, that makes perfect sense for immortal beings. You know, I don't think any immortal being is going to be a vanilla straight person. feel um about the current representation of queer people non-white people in mainstream media as a whole and how do you feel about your contribution to it on your own show well i think it's funny that um to think that we have we're a vampire comedy but everyone (laughs) all the characters in our show all of them are in some way queer Mm -hmm. all of them are um, whether they've officially said it themselves or out loud or their actions speak for them. Uh, it's it's kind of uh, an unspoken thing, but you, I mean, we have, you know, Laszlo and Nandor talking about, you know, finishing each other off in the basement. <laughs> and they talk about it so nonchalant that, uh, because remember, vampires are immortal, so they have forever and they have no need to have fear or, or think of what the repercussions of society's uh, ideas of them will be because they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck and they can try everything once. And if they like it, then continue to do it. And if they don't, then they did it at least once. And I think that as humans, because we do have a clock that's ticking and we do have society telling us what is right and what's wrong, we tend not to take um, risk. And when I say risk, it's not in like an adventure jumping off a cliff, which you could do as well. But also we don't take a step and ask ourselves like about sexuality because it's a taboo self-conversation to have. Yeah, You know, and it's such a conversation that for a long time, people don't even want to knock at the door because they're like, nope, no, 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 I don't even want to even. But if you did, uh, would you be surprised what you find out what's behind the door? If you ask yourself, like, knock on the door and see what's over there, you might be surprised to find out that it's, oh, it's what I thought. Yeah, no, I'm pretty hetero, you know, but <laughs> or it might be that you find that it's like, I kind of like this and I might be pansexual. I kind of like, I'm, I like both uh, guys and girls, so I might be bisexual. So you don't know until you knock on the door, but for so long, people don't even uh, walk up to the threshold. They ignore it and they just walk by. Well, hopefully if you prepared correctly, there are no surprises behind the door. But um, (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, you know, I think, I mean, I feel very blessed to be the age I am now growing up at the time. You know, I, I grew up at a time where things were starting to get better for queer people and we were getting our first glimpses of queer representation. And then in just like, you know, 15, 20 years, it's a whole different world. And now straight porn is getting, you know, straight men are having their asses eaten and 
getting pegged and stuff. And that's all just run of the mill now, you know, foot fetishes are mainstream. It's so I, 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 I think just that's love what the... our forefathers wanted. In the long run, that's what they want to say. May every man get pegged and rimmed. (laughs) I think any any um any vampire entertainment, any vampire media that doesn't acknowledge, you know, that vampires would probably have a much more fluid sexuality than humans do, is just cowardly. You know, Twilight, fuck off. I'll tell you what's not manly. Being honest with yourself. That's not manly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, do you ever feel when you're on set and you're watching people fly around and doing the special effects? And this is why I asked earlier, do you have any animosity playing the only human character? Because I know I, as a drag queen, if I were the only one who wasn't getting strapped to a fly rig or like, you know, being painted green for something, (laughs) I would be like, (laughs) I mean... Of course, I'm happy to be on the show, but please, when do I get to fly? I guess you get some really badass um, fight scenes. You've killed a yeah. lot of people so far. I think it's, a, <laughs> it's a good trade-off. I think that I do get to fly sometimes when I fly with Nandor, when he uh-huh. picks me up, or um, or when I'm doing stunts. Um, you know, the flying stuff, it's kind of painful. The, all yeah. the boys and Naja, like, they walk out. And they're like absolutely pain. Like you have to be, you know, it picks you up from your groin, and it's not fun. <laughs> I don't know how Kathy Rigby did it for like decades. Well, luckily for me, I've already got quite the callus built up there. <laughs> I think you'd be fine. I think you're the the best, you know, flying uh, vampire we could have. But it's just uh, at first I was like, oh man, like, but you know, Guillermo's human, and I I like the balance that my job on the show is totally different than you know, the vampires, because um, he's the only one driven by uh, emotions. He's driven by emotion of desire, wants, uh, you know, dreams and all those goals and whatnot. Um, And he has to balance being human and the clock ticking and remember that he's not immortal. And so the danger of that is always like, I'm on my toes on set as the character uh, is always fun to play. But I also get to do such cool stunt stuff that like, you know, jumping out of a third story window, that was me. I got to jump backwards <laughs> and I flipped off the vampires, you know, and doing that. <laughs> so that was super fun. I didn't think that was going to happen. Like after season one, I had no idea that the character would go this way. You know, Guillermo didn't have a last name. I'm the one who asked uh, Jermaine, uh, can I give him a last name? Because it feels weird to play character with who is who is who is she, you know? And he was like, "Well, what you thinking?" And I was like, "I don't know, something off the top of my head, Guillermo, Guillermo de la Cruz." And he's like, "What does that mean?" And I was like, "It means of the cross. Is that like sacrilegious or is that bad?" He's like, "No, actually, that's perfect because he hadn't told me the storyline. We were we were kept out in the dark about the Van Helsing lineage, and it wasn't yeah. until I read the the last script for season one." that I found out what, why it was perfect. And I was like, yeah. if that's not Kismet, I don't know what is. Like, the fact that I chose the last name that's so befitting to this character, is it's, it's insane. When, when it's right, it's right. You were destined <laughs> to play this role. Um, I know that I, it's just a dream of mine. I've never done anything in a fly, I did get hooked up to a fly rig once in high school um, when we were doing the Wizard of Oz and the fly rig was for the witch. But one day at one of our dress rehearsals, dressed as the cowardly lion, I convinced the crew people to put me in the the fly rig. I could be very persuasive, Harvey. And um, uh, 
you know, so I got, that's the, my only experience in a fly rig. But every time Natasia Dimitrio is in a Victorian ball gown and flies into the air or climbs up the side of a building, it's just like all of my drag queer vampire fantasies are being fed at one moment just because if I'm going to fly, it's got to be in a Victorian ball gown, right? Like, it's not enough just to, like, I don't want to be wearing, like, a body sock. I want to be dressed as, like, an empress flying through the sky. <laughs> um, I, I just really enjoy the acting style of the show because you're dealing with such, you know, um, grand circumstances, obviously larger than life and supernatural circumstances. But the acting style from all the performers, and I would say especially you and Colin Robinson, um, you know, you have to maintain this kind of, like, laissez-faire, like, oh, this is just a part of my life. <laughs> I'm just used to corpses falling out of ceilings and talking dolls <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, I mean, you know, there are, of course, I think <laughs> Nadja is the most uh, erratic character or maybe i'm just paying the most attention to her but uh <laughs> but uh is it difficult sometimes to maintain that kind of like naturalistic acting style in such supernatural circumstances yeah because you know you, you nailed it on the head like these these characters of vampires are all 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 very flamboyant you know Naja is the most like right like she's like you stupid donkey you know she's like yelling <laughs> for lungs um and and Laszlo's more with his body language and it's in long in the wet you know and it's like <laughs> this world and and then Nandor is like this like giant lovable uh ruthless buffoon you know so it's just like <laughs> this just like I thought you know I had the 48 wives and like you know it's like uh all this like so they're the stories and the way they dress them they're so um great and the characters are so individually like farcical but like you're doing like I feel like every time we do a show um or we film an episode it feels like we're doing a play like there's yes. moments where we come in and it's like I feel like I'm backstage because you wait for your cue and you come in and it feels very like you know, I, you can relate to this, like being a theater kid, you know, and being a theater kid is like, it, it's rarely felt when you're on set. Like when you're on set for a movie, it doesn't feel like theater. It's like, we're going to do it again. Take 86. Everyone shut up, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. There's no like a crackle to uh, uh, an ensemble and unity. Mm -hmm. It's more like, uh, this is your close up. Make sure the hair's out of her face. Make sure blah, blah. And then with this, it's very uh, much of a... Um, of a, uh, a farce it feels very farcical and like I like that because I grew up doing that you know musicals and over the top and um so when those characters are over the top I need to be the most grounded just because I need to be so grounded that we're, we can't all be insane you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like if I'm insane and everyone's insane then this show becomes like oh did you watch that show where everyone's fucking nuts you know <laughs> but in reality it's like because Guillermo's so grounded and he's so his demeanor is so like you know um submissive in the house and quiet that you believe this is a real human hanging out with vampires and everything they say because they're so out of touch with everything and you, the camera pans over to Guillermo and he gives a look that look represents all the humans who are watching the show. We are all thinking that. No one can say it because we're in the room, but they're all thinking it. They're like, did he just say that? Or when they're, you know, talking about uh, victims and it's like, we're being documented. I can go to prison for this. I can, you know, <laughs> I'm still human yeah. and they're filming us 
do this. You you can fly away. You can say bat and get out of prison. <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> I could be in serious trouble um, for supplying victims, you know? So yeah. there's something to think about there. <laughs> yeah, you you have very real stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas kind of <laughs> literally unintended, <laughs> whereas the other characters kind of, you know, there's not a lot of consequences for their actions. And of course there are, you know, there are heroes in the story. So, you know, we always want to trust that even when the vampiric council has them, you know, chained up and they're about to be executed, we always want to trust there's going to be some deus ex machina to come and save them at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and half the time it's you. <laughs> mentioned um you mentioned some of the obstacles you face um as an actor in hollywood um with some of the demographics that you fit into um the notes that i have here from my producer is that you actually had a theater teacher who told you is this is this sounding real mm-hmm. <laughs> you had a theater teacher who told you you were too queer too fat and too brown to make it as a real actor and i would love to know what you would say to that theater teacher right now as you star on a hit fx comedy show <laughs> i got your too queer too fat and too brown right here go fuck yourself <laughs> it was kind of a you know um that was really like a weird moment because you're so vulnerable in school and you think Mm -hmm. that your professors know it all because they are your, you know, what you look up to. And um, this person had no place, you know, uh, teaching um, young minds, especially in the arts. Um, He just did really stuff that was really inappropriate. He eventually ended up sleeping with um, female students um, what is it yeah. about? Is this is this theater school? I don't know what it is about theater school. Everyone's so horny, teachers and students <laughs> alike. It gets everyone in trouble. <laughs> it's uh, it's insane, just because um, you know, and and it was a low income neighborhood, so the even when red flags were brought up, it was kind of like, well, what are you gonna do? Fire him? And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what you should do. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're like, well, we won't have a teacher for the drama class. And it's like, that's, I think that's the sacrifice everyone's willing to make. Um, but yeah, this person was not nice. I, I mean, I talked to my friends from school and a lot of them are still traumatized. I mean, he kind of uh, made a lot of them kind of double think a career in, in acting because he would call some of the girls, they were too fat, you know? And they're like, did you gain weight? And it's just like, that was the conversation that he would have in, in front of everyone in school. And like, mm-hmm. we would be like in the middle of a conversation when he's asking someone, did they gain weight? And this, you know, or if she put on lipsticks, like, oh, she go light on the lipstick. And it's just like, you can't tell women what to do with their bodies. Stop telling women what to do with their bodies and stop telling people in general uh, what your thoughts are on their body image. Like, it's none of your business. You know, like, it's like, what you think of me, it's none of my business. Like, it's like, keep it to yourself. Like, it's like, uh, I I can't focus on the work I want to do if you're too busy trying to tell me what my flaws are, you know? And so that was kind of upsetting. And he did say, it was just, um, it was heartbreaking because I really thought, I wanted to look up to this mentor and be like, wow, he's because he did Karate Kid three and he was flower boy number one and he got omitted <laughs> out of the film. So he was big time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he had an IMDb credit and I was like, well, you can't go against him. He has an IMDb credit, but with no picture, that's professional. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. 
So why would we go up against him? We were so vulnerable and gullible. Yeah. And it was just like this big Hollywood big shot came with his IMDb credit. Um, and we were just like, whatever he says. Um, one time he purposely, we were doing a, a scene and he had a revolving uh, uh, set that was uh, for a flea in her ear. We we're doing that farce. And there was a, a revolving bedroom. And so just sit on one side and it revolves into the other side. And that's the whole gag is that this revolving door um, and they had just started building it. And he's like, all right, take it for a spin. And I was like, that doesn't look sturdy. It was literally like cardboard on wheels. And he's like, that doesn't, he's like, no. And he's like, it's fine. And I was like, it just doesn't look sturdy. He's like, you can trust my crew, okay? My crew built it. And I knew that I knew that it was going to be a setup. And I still stepped on it. It bent and broke. And basically, he's like, that's weird. Uh, that was built to hold a baby elephant. And that was the comments out of his mouth. Like, into Yeah. I, I was like, I could have gone either way. I could have, I could have been destroyed by it and fallen down a, a dark hole, which unfortunately a lot of students did, but it kind of fueled me. I hate when people tell me you can't do something because of uh, being brown, round, and proud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just hate when they tell you you can't do something. So I am purposely will do it and be like, oh, you can't do action stuff because you're a big guy. Watch me. You can't do this, uh, you know, sequence because blah, blah, blah. Watch me go. Like, it's like, I love doing that to prove you wrong that don't judge a book by its cover. And I did it for him. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to thrive in this. And I, if anything, I should be thankful because it just pushed me more <laughs> into doing it. But I also... Will, I Oh, I was just going to say, oh, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Yeah, You're like coming to a conclusion of this traumatic experience. And "And you know what else? (laughs) Uh, What did uh, you get for Uber Eats? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I just, I've done some of the, the most difficult, but also most like satisfying things in my life fully just out of vendetta you know like i've (laughs) some of my biggest accomplishments in life were just to prove somebody wrong and you know not everyone has the same experience but um it's it's a testament that like (laughs) it's kind of the movie plot you know the the underdog movie plot of like you you abuse the the queer kid in high school and then they grow up to be a success because they just wanted to prove that one teacher wrong (laughs) (laughs) if only there that was like a formula you could teach and um if only if it it wasn't such a big risk for (laughs) young developing minds yeah well i mean i guess Um, you're right it's a a huge risk regardless so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't mm -hmm. and most you know the reason that i really kind of dived into it my mom was so against it she was like no 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 mejor you know uh, be a doctor or be a lawyer instead and I was just like, well, I could play a doctor and I could play a lawyer <laughs> on television. And it's like, no, it's just not steady. It's understandable being an artist. Uh, it's just no parent wants their kids to struggle. And being uh, an artist, there's no guarantee. There's no stability unless you really make it. And I can see why a parent would be concerned. But also there's something to be said about if your child wants to do it and they are showing interest and they show commitment, then let them do it because you're, you're going to regret not going as far as you could have with it and you're going to look back and if you have regrets then what kind of life is that just let them fall on their face and if they keep trying and trying and they they don't succeed at least they tried but it's Mm -hmm. not worth it um cutting someone's dream short just because you're cautious about their future it's just like let them do it let them try so i came from nothing so i had nothing to lose you know so for me it was like i have nothing so literally anything that comes from now till whatever end of time is an asset to me like it's an adding stepping stone in my journey 
So then why not take that first step and go towards your, you know, career? Absolutely. I'm so glad you did. Um, <laughs> now, um, I uh, I know that Harvey is your your stage name, mm-hmm. um, but your given name is Javier. Mm-hmm. Javier. And, and and you mentioned um, uh, did you did you choose Harvey as as your stage name because of well, its proximity to Javi? Kinda. I used to have. Well, teachers couldn't pronounce Javier because I <laughs> went to pretty white schools um until later like um later like in after fourth fifth grade I started being in schools where they could actually pronounce it but at one point um I, I, Javier became Javi so my friends mm-hmm. and family call me Javi and eventually I got an agent and this agent was Latinx himself mm-hmm. and he said I'm gonna be honest with you if you're you know you should probably get a stage there and I was like oh why is that he's like because Javier Guillen you're probably gonna play like two roles like you're going to clean a toilet or you're going to be a gangbanger and you don't look like a gangbanger. So we're looking at pretty narrow. Like he had this conversation with me and I was just literally like, again, such vulnerable mind that, you know, well, what do I know? This guy's in the business, you know, like, you know, he has an office in the Valley, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he knows what he's talking about. Right. And a part of me was a little bit upset at first, but then um, as my career started to blossom and whatnot, I kind of thought it was a blessing in disguise because I had a friend who is also an actor uh, and he was in the high school musical, um, whatever, uh, films. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he had uh, his mom who was best friends with Brad Pitt's mom. Um, they uh, weirdly enough grew up in the same city or something um, asked uh, well what advice do you have for my son and then they got together and talked like one-on-one I guess and he said if I can give you any advice is get a stage name because when I go into a room and everyone screams Brad I I think I've met them and I think I know them and I can't I'm confused that we have met because it, everyone owns your name and it's no longer yours you now belong mm-hmm. to everyone and it's not your real name. So he regretted not getting a stage name. And now looking back, I'm kind of really glad. I mean, now everyone's going to know my legal name, so they're, they're going to try to call me my legal name. Um, but you, Don't blame you it know, on me. Person, it's all Wikipedia. Don't me. No, 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 I know. I know. I know. Um, but it's also funny because you know me as Harvey, and that's mm-hmm. because you met me through my profession. You know me as Harvey because you met me as a performer. You know me as Harvey because you're a fan of the work that I do. So that means it's uh, Harvey's like, you know, um, the stage name. Harvey's like the, the company, you know, and you got to know Coca-Cola, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't go home with the CEO of Coca-Cola, you know. Yeah. I mean, unless you do. And what a lucky, lucky gal. But um, the idea that I don't go home and I don't have to be Harvey at home. When I go and hang out with my family, they call me Javier, they call me Javi. When I'm walking with family or even close friends and they address me, they don't address me as Harvey. And when I'm being addressed as my legal name, there's no element of um, having to be on, you know, as an entertainer when you're Harvey. And as you can relate to this, like when you're out and, you know, in drag or even not in drag, like I'm sure people expect you to be approachable, be, you know, uh, entertaining. And and that Mm -hmm. can get heavy sometimes and and very tiresome. So it's nice to be able to be around friends and family and close friends who call me with my legal name. And there's no expectations of entertaining or even talking about the business. It's just really just be myself. And I, um, 
I kind of treasure that now because when I'm walking down the street, people don't even bother to memorize the name of the actor who plays Guillermo. Now I'm just getting like Guillermo on the street. <laughs> and I, I will not turn. I will try not to turn because then it'll be like, I'm, I'm going to be saying it's okay to do that. It's like, no, learn the name of the actor who plays Guillermo which is Harvey, not Javier. And there's like three layers of separation now. So you know the character, you know the actor who plays the character and the real person who uses that stage name. (laughs) That's such a good point. And it's kind of built in with a drag career. Um, you know, since we're na- we're known by our drag names, um, mm-hmm. I have a weird, uh, I won't say weird, I have an interesting situation because Jinx was my nickname and then became my drag name and then became, you know, like my professional stage drag name. But no one really calls me my given name now because ever since I, you know, came out as non-binary and started presenting extremely femme, like... Um, pretty much everyone in my life except for my husband and my housemates call me Jinx. So now it's kind of like there's there's Jarek the human being, there's Jinx Monsoon the drag persona, then there's at home Jinx, then there's the in between Jinx when you see me out in public out of drag but you know me as Jinx. <laughs> see there is. There's layers. There's layers, but luckily for me, I already have like so many voices in my head at all times. Now they all have their own (laughs) name. Um... (laughs) I used to think, you know, like I I tutored people with dialects in um, acting school. Um, I, I excelled in my dialects class. I also was like a speech tutor for other queer people learning how to kind of like, uh, neutralize their speaking voice, helped a couple young people get, uh, you know, neutralize their lisp so that it was a conscious choice or like, you know, change certain things about their voice. So everything was a conscious choice. And this is what I was taught in acting school. Like, if you want to make it in this career, you got to make yourself as neutral as possible. And then, of course, my career now is being a big flamboyant trans femme drag queen. <laughs> um, so fuck that logic. But uh... <laughs> that is true. We t- I take voice VPS, like voice production mm-hmm. and speech. And like the idea that we had a dialect coach who would like give us assignments like southern accent but regional so it's like this accent's from Mankin, georgia it's different than the atlanta georgia accent it's like well i don't it's like well then you don't have an ear for it. it's like jesus like it's like you would try so hard to how many times are we going to play a role? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and in acting school you know i got all this praise on my dialects and i really thought i was like top shit when it came to dialects then in my career, I'm going to the UK and abroad a lot. And now I'm married to a British person. And basically all I hear constantly is like, oh, that's a really good attempt for an American <laughs> doing, a, doing a foreign accent. Why is it that um, British people can do American accents so easily, but it's harder for Americans to do British? <laughs> I, I mean... I think it's all I think it's all relative because my like I always thought I was really good at British dialects and my husband points out to me that what I do is I take little things from basically every bit British dialect and and put them all in 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 one voice like (laughs) 
He's like, well, you got to decide what part of the country you're from before you start talking. <laughs> but then he tries to mimic me and he makes me sound like I'm from Minnesota. And <laughs> being from the Pacific Northwest, you know, I've been told, I think the Pacific Northwest is considered the most neutral of the American dialects. But again, it's relative because it's neutral compared to what, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, British people tend to go either country or New York or Jersey or Midwest and and or there's a lot of there's a lot of British people who can only do like Southern California dialects um, when they try to do American so you know everyone should just basically assume they're bad at everything until someone from that country gives them the stamp of approval because trusting all my American acting teachers that I was really good at a Scottish dialect just led to much embarrassment when I went to Glasgow <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting there doing my Scottish accent and every Scottish person is looking at me like please get out of my country uh, <laughs> um, I have my closeout questions for you but before I ask them um, I just want to say congratulations. You also voiced the role Funny in Mickey Mouse Funhouse. And I just want, you know, to reiterate what we said earlier to your acting teacher. I just want to send that person a big fuck you. Because here you are, <laughs> not only um, on a vampire comedy series, but you're also on a fucking Disney animated show. And you don't get much more top tier than that. So for... <laughs> A young brown, uh, round, brown, I'm round, rem- I'm rem- brown, round, proud <laughs> individual. You've hit the fucking top tier, and everyone can go fuck themselves. So <laughs> I love that. It's true. Um, that was a dream come true because I always wanted to be a Disney cartoon. You know, what kid didn't? And the idea that it was the iconic, like you know, sensational six that were the original, like Mickey, Minnie, and uh, Donald and Daisy and Pluto and Goofy, um, is just in me as the added friend, like the new friend, was like mind blown because it was just like these are already established voices. They're everyone knows them, brand recognition, and they added a new friend, and it's funny, the Fun House that um, the show was created last year and it was such a good idea it was just that you don't need to leave your home especially what was going on around the world to have an imagination so the house turns into a spaceship turns into a pirate ship turns into a saloon in the wild west so the idea that these kids could um use their imagination is more now than ever because it's like that's what i did when i was it i'm sure that's you can relate it's like you would you know i created like shows in my room like with my all my dolls and stuff and um <laughs> yeah i don't think people do that anymore they don't have they don't spend time creating a story and, and imagining a different world it's just easier to grab a phone you know and yeah. to watch uh, something so hopefully this encourages uh, people to use their imagination more but it's such a dream come true <laughs> absolutely well congratulations congratulations on all your career success congratulations on your ability to say fuck you to um any naysayers in the past and you know <laughs> from me to you it's just like really awesome to see I my mantra my mantra to deal with any queer jealousy I have in the industry <laughs> because sometimes you see like a role go to another 
another queer person and you're like, oh, if they're if they're just handing rolls out to queer people, where's my, <laughs> you know, like, for so long I just blamed it on being too queer and now I guess that's not even an excuse anymore. But my mantra um, is a step forward for one of us is a step forward for all of us. And I think you are a perfect example of that because you, um, you've just you've proven so many antiquated stereotypes wrong in in a really amazing um earnest and enjoyable performance so i'm just like i you're you are my celebrity crush today Aww, thank <laughs> and you. that's my first closeout question for you who is your celebrity crush today and you can interpret that question any way you want <laughs> mm. Oh gosh. Um, celebrity crush today. I mean, I guess it changes every day, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. One day, that's I'm why really I, like... that's why I qualify it with today because yeah. I am easy and I'm a slut and uh, <laughs> my tastes are ever broadening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess today, um, geez, I guess I've been, not even crushing on anyone recently <laughs> but I mean I had like you know I'm so drawn into talent like when I see someone so super funny um you know I would say at one point you know you were my celebrity crush you, know, you could be my celebrity crush like watching drag race I could say that that was like watching and rooting for you during that season um definitely celebrity crush uh at that moment just like because I really love when I see genuine talent and it, it's such like, um, aphrodisiac, like, it's like a turn on, like, it's like when you see someone that's really talented and, and it's like, you root for them. You're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then because it's hard, I just like musicians and I just, am drawn to, to people with talent and, and, uh, ambition. And, and so for that time, I think, uh, you're at that point, my, my crush and this week, I think it might've been, Kim Kardashian this week <laughs> because uh, she hosted SNL and I thought she did a great job. Actually, I was uh, I think people were rooting for her to fail and um, and I thought she did a fantastic job and she was actually really funny and she and the fact that she made fun of her family and went full like <laughs> full out was uh -huh. a huge like wow like more respect yeah. to her and that was so I would say Kim Kardashian is my celebrity crush this week. I haven't seen the episode yet. I just saw the sketch, the Aladdin sketch, because I was told that Pete Davidson talks about his penis in a sketch. And so, you know, <laughs> have to watch it immediately. Um, <laughs> next question is, are you spiritual? Yeah, I think I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, I do believe uh, there's a bigger thing than us. There's a uh, energy there. I do believe that um, that uh, you create that energy and you, you either become a part of it or you create good energy or you create bad energy. And, and that kind of affects all of us in the world. So um, I am spiritual in that way where I, I feel like we're just energy and this is all temporary. This is just a vessel for today. And then that energy has to go somewhere, you know? So how do you use your energy is up to you. <laughs> 
Well said. I've been thinking a lot about string theory um, lately, which is the idea that because everything consists of atoms and molecules, that really everything is connected. And the way I explained string theory to someone else is that we are just goo moving through other goo. Um, And that's kind (laughs) of how I feel lately. I feel like I'm trying to boil down all of my philosophies and worldviews to um, how can I explain this in goo? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, My final question for you is what is your go-to karaoke song? Uh, It's between... It's two. It's two. It's always... I have to sing either both of them at one point in the evening or probably won't sing them at all um and they're <laughs> candor and ebbs all that jazz from the broadway um version uh made to the film i guess the film version is actually really fun too um yeah i'll do the film version and then i'll do also um that and uh poor unfortunate souls from yes. little mermaid so okay, those are my go to so- we have to go to karaoke sometime because those are two of my standbys. Um, <laughs> the film Chicago is, it, it, it was Chicago and Moulin Rouge. I watched those. It's funny. I watched, you know, Rocky Horror at 14. That didn't make me want to be a drag queen. Um, watching Moulin, Moulin Rouge and Chicago, like so close to each other. I, I think they either came out right around the same time, but those two movies are the reason I'm a drag queen today is because... There were so many numbers in that in those movies that I was like, I need to create a character that would perform these numbers. And yeah. And, and a week later, I was a drag queen. Um, that, that makes sense. And the dec- <laughs> that's my favorite decade, the 1920s. Like, I love that. Um, that's why I love all that jazz. Um, yeah. Have you just, heard uh, D.B. New Earth's All That Jazz? I have. It's it's I mean, I was raised on Catherine Zeta Jones is all that jazz. But B.B. New Earth's all that jazz is like you, it's, it, I don't think enough people know that Lilith from Frasier is a Broadway star. So I'm just taking this opportunity. They don't. People are always that. surprised when they when they hear that. And I was like, you know, it's a huge Broadway star. And people are like, no, she's the girl from Frasier. And I was like, no, that was after. Like, <laughs> um. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I want to thank you for um, putting up with my white nonsense as I learned how to say your name correctly. And I want to thank you for sharing all your candid opinions and stories. You've just been such a wonderful guest. And one more time, congratulations on all of your success. Where can my listeners find you? And do you have anything you'd like to promote in these last fleeting moments? Yeah, you can find me on socials, you know, on Instagram and Twitter at Harvey Guillen of one long name. And also make sure you catch our after show that you were talking about after the shadows. After every episode, you can see behind the scenes and talk to all the creatives and actors and et cetera. So you can watch that on the Instagram page for what we do in the shadows. So make sure you tune in and watch that. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure you search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Forever. Dog. To listen to Hi 
hijinks, ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hijinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hijinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom. Hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon. Produced by Big Dipper. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.